I think it was also like partially what society was telling me, but also what I was then telling myself of like, why would I want to play Juliet? Like Juliet's, I, you only see it done in like the exact same way usually. Mm-hmm. And so then when you actually look at her text and it's like, oh, this looks fun. Like this looks like a fun part to play, but who's going to cast me as Juliet? Mm-hmm. When I when the fat nurse is right there, <laughs> when the fat ner- when I can wait forty more years and then I'll be pr- my prime and I'll be getting cast as all the Play old that fat ladies. One role. Yep. Yeah, I'm waiting. I've been playing fat old ladies since I was sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> fat Juliet is a subversive reclamation of Shakespeare's original text for Romeo and Juliet, centering Juliet in her own story and giving her a voice you haven't heard before. The show's writer and star, Stevie Hunter, and director, Kat McCormick, are this show's first ever repeat guests, and they'll join me to talk about body image, the Billie Eilish moment, and No Fear Shakespeare. I'm Tara Thorne, and this is The Tideline. Thanks for being here. We took last week off because of reasons, but here we are deep into autumn and I'm finding myself weary with the season, the season of culture. Coming up on Friday, Rich O'Coin will be blessing the seahorse. Now there's a place I haven't been to in two years, except to walk by him on my way to the bathroom at the Derby with the official release party for his record, United States, which came out last year. And then he will immediately head to that country for literally the rest of this year. So I can't stress this enough. Catch him while you can. Neptune Theater opened a spooky two-hander this week called The Woman in Black, starring Jill Anderson and Gordon White. It's about a lady ghost terrorizing a village, and I haven't seen it, but I'm on her side. It runs until November 14th. Speaking of theater, my guests this week are Kat McCormick and Stevie Hunter of Fat Juliet which is a subversive Shakespeare riff, which is always more fun than actual Shakespeare. Sorry, not sorry. By the way, I ditched out on the fourth year of my English degree and thus two semesters worth of Shakespeare, so I am not exactly an expert. But here are my favorite bard-based films, and none of them are the Leo, Romeo, and Juliet. Please get a life. Number five, She's the Man with Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum, which I feel is handily underrated, and that is based on Twelfth Night. The Lion King animated version, obviously, which was based on Hamlet, which itself has a distinct lack of Hakuna Matata. Number three, Gus Van Sant's My Own Private Idaho, which you may not remember was based on Henry IV. Number two, Lady Macbeth with Florence Pugh, which is from 2016. And I don't think this one actually counts because it's not based on the play. I think it's just using Lady Macbeth to mean crazy bitch. Florence plays someone who gets married off to an old man. Then she takes up with a hot stable boy and then she sells him out. But I wanted to mention it in case I'm wrong because I'm wrong a lot and because it's excellent. And I'm going to stop saying that curse word before the theater people get in here. Number one is, of course... 10 Things I Hate About You. Julia Stiles is epic, hair-wise. 
uh, and uh, in other ways. In this contemporary retelling of The Taming of the Shrew, which also features Heath Ledger staging a full band version of Can't Take My Eyes Off of You and the classic line, Shakespeare himself penned this one, Can You Ever Be Just Whelmed? Stevie and Kat will join me in mere minutes, but first, here's a brand new jam from one of my favorite bands. No, it's fine. An astrology-themed banger called Pisces, Gemini, Libra. Started in a bedroom that I shared with my ex-girlfriend for three weeks after we broke up. No, 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 wait, 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 no. It started when my mom told me the greatest form of comedy is when your insults are pointed at yourself. So I wrote a joke, then I wrote a few more, and then I started writing songs. Now I'm stuck, now I'm stuck, now I'm stuck, and now Obsessive, overthinking ego that's constantly craving validation and sympathy that I started writing all these songs in the first place and that's all I know, that's how I know I'm a Pisces. You can't just keep blaming all of your problems on astrology. Eventually you have to start taking responsibility for your actions and actively try to change or improve upon these things that you hate so much about yourself. Oh yeah, well just watch me. Cat McCormick, director, <laughs> Stevie Hunter, star and writer of Fat Juliet. <laughs> Things are going great. Very calm in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kat, I interviewed you in 2018 um, when you won Best Theater Actor Bracket Female. And oh. at the time, <laughs> you, you? <laughs> you said five times, baby. <laughs> Take that, Stephanie McDonald. Oh. Yeah. I believe I also got one of the, uh, the all gender awards. Oh, nice. So, you can't win it anymore, right? Well, like, technically, I didn't win consecutively, so I'm just I still think, in that pool. I think it's 10, maybe. It's like it's a lot. Look, I'll tell you what. Lot. I've won it five times. I've never come in second or third, which is what tells me, like, 10 people vote for this thing a year. I mean, I'm not going to give away the methodology, but a hundo. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, but at that time, you told me you were working on this show. Holy shit, that's right. We've been working on this for a long time. Yeah. From the beginning, literally, of our friendship. It's true. Yeah. How did you meet? <gasps> Oh, it was Stevie. a <laughs> I, well. It was a uh, it was a closing party for Shakespeare by the Sea back in probably 2016. That sounds right. Um, and neither of us were in the show. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, my we were there partner, to support our men. Yes, and <laughs> um, it was Cat came up to me and complimented me on a picture that Peter and I had taken together of us holding our retainers. 
Uh, (laughs) do not recall uh that was like the first like that's the first thing a cat ever brought up to me Mm -hmm. and then we uh were having a fun night and it just like we kept just like (laughs) passing by each other and Mm -hmm. having well and then then later stevie was perhaps you know some amount of sheets to the wind (laughs) and i came into the kitchen and i overheard Stevie having like a bit of like a moment with Peter and Stevie said, where's that chick? She gets me. And I was like, yeah, you damn right I do. And then later <laughs> I like fell off my bike and Kat like clapped and laughed at me and I was like, okay, this is, this yeah, is look, fun. If you clapped bike, instead of helping? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. She definitely I, didn't help. I literally told Stevie they were fine and it was going to be fun to ride a bike and yeah. then they drove right into a car. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. But and if Stevie didn't ride a bike, <laughs> we were all going to be stuck there in the park all night. And then it, like, took some, well, I I mean, I was still in school, and then it was, like, Kat became the classic, like, oh, I graduated from theater school. What? Nothing makes sense. Like, I have now days free and have to fill my time. And I remember moping at Kat's house, and Kat was like, this is the rest of your life. (laughs) Get (laughs) a project. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, this is true. Um, But also, now I like that. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm okay with not being at school. Yeah. And then Stevie came over. Stevie was like, can we hang out? And I was like, what? You, a new friendship? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, can I read so your play? Scary. I wrote this play. I, yeah, and the play, I like started writing it as a solo show. Mm-hmm. And then read it to Kat. And Kat was You like, went over and read it? Yeah. Into Stevie your came face. over. Oh, yeah. I said, right into my face. I want you to read this entire play. Stevie said, well, I've got this idea. I don't know if it's any good or not. It's Romeo and Juliet, but it's all from Juliet's perspective. And she's fat. And I was like... Oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> so my dream play is what you're telling me? Never yeah. cared about that one very much, Juliet. Mm. She was always quite boring until she was fat. No, and I remember we were like, I was like, oh, we could just like do a couple nights here or there. And Kat's like, no, we're doing this. <laughs> and then that's how Kat brought it to Jesse at Shakespeare by the Sea. Shakespeare by the Sea got involved. Start writing grants, and then now it's just, I mean, it's taken years, but also. Yeah. Well, it was meant to go up two falls ago, be, uh, and then, of course, COVID hit. Or last fall. Last fall. And, oh, my God. I'm so old. I was like, that's your excuse? Yeah. That wasn't COVID times yet. <laughs> I wasn't going to nail you, but. We're, there's two Virgos in the room. You're a Capricorn. You should also care. <laughs> we care about details. I remember being at a Hello City show. Mm-hmm. We did the show, and I checked my phone, and it was. Uh, an email from Jesse saying that we got a Canada Council grant. Amazing. The Which, first in Shakespeare by the Seas history, I believe. What? Yeah, legit. Yeah. Well, What's they usually do there? Shakespeare. I mean, typically, they don't want to fund Shakespeare because... He's not local, first yeah. of all. No, he's not local. And also, <laughs> it, it's actually free to do his work. So, mm-hmm. uh, fun fact, we got um, feedback on our first grant that the character of Juliet was too young. We were like, lol, that's how old she is. She is 13, y'all. So we have aged her up to 16. Oh. She's a woman of the world now. A woman. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, you went to theater school. Yeah. So you've encountered Shakespeare. Yes. We know you're a history Shakespeare by the Sea Cat. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we? I'd love to run through it. (laughs) (laughs) I would too. (laughs) What what was your uh, uh, experience with Romeo and Juliet as a text? Before writing this, oh yeah, well, yeah, I got in. I think I got into Shakespeare accidentally because growing up in Winnipeg, I went to Manitoba Theater for young people, and they had different companies, and the Shakespeare Company happened to line up best with my schedule. So I was like, I'll do, I'll do this. Busy one. Winnipeg days in the Winnipeg days, um, but then I was also like, oh, actually, this is making me a better actor, and I like 
speaking this is speaking this is more fun than doing usually like TYA or you know whatever other things are giving you to read so that's kind of how I got into it and so then when I was looking at schools that's actually what led me to Dow was that their classical theater program so it was this weird like love of Shakespeare and classical text but then actually being in theater school and I played puck in a midsummer night's dream which that was fun but uh yeah no I was never I think it was also like partially what society was telling me but also what I was then telling myself of like why would I want to play Juliet like Juliet's I you only see it done in like the exact same way usually mm-hmm. and so then when you actually look at her text and it's like oh this looks fun like this looks like a fun part to play but who's going to cast me as Juliet mm-hmm. when I when the fat nurse <laughs> is right there <laughs> when the fat n- when I can wait 40 more years and then I'll be in pr- my prime and I'll be getting cast as all the play old that fat ladies one role. Yep. yeah I'm waiting I've been playing fat old ladies since I was 16 <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's and that was mainly my theater school experience, too, is then I was like, all right, I'm a character actor. I'll play some characters. And I just tried to then play as many different characters as I could, but still ended up playing, you know, the mom who's sad. <laughs> sad Moms mom. are sad. Somebody's got to do a show about yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> not me. I also I did play a old lady uh, who was really uh, kind of losing her whereabouts and uh <laughs> mr jeremy webb left during intermission and our class has never forgotten it but i don't really blame the man this it, is don't the you? hot that is yeah, hot you I, heard it here on the tideline for tara Thorne. <laughs> i don't blame him it was a it was a weird show um as a writer how did you approach like did you just like copy paste all the juliet's work like how did yeah this is how like, i would no, do it well the thing is it's like even like as a writer it's like I was an actor improviser, and so then this was like the first piece of writing that I really started doing. And so, uh, yeah, in terms of the classical text, it was finding a version. I did want to be proper about it, so try to find a version of Romeo and Juliet that I uh, enjoyed most and not just like... I don't know. No fear Shakespeare. It, which you know what? No hate to no fear Shakespeare. It helps. It it makes. What is that? This is a niche thing. Yeah. Oh, is it a niche thing? <laughs> know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people. Uh, if you like, even during high school, if you're work, you know, reading one of the texts, you would just use it. It's uh, you go online and it has the original text and then all like contemporary. Just. It's the translation, translation of modern day. And yeah. it is. It's you know. It's useful. but it's usually Wait, quite which hilarious. one is which one is no fear. The translation? Well, yeah. yeah, it's like, no fear Shakespeare. Like, don't fear Shakespeare. Uh, we'll explain it to you. Gotcha. Very basically. We'll put it in cool lingo from the late 90s so yeah. you understand. <laughs> um, so I did find, I ended up then being good about it and getting my own. I have a Romeo and Juliet little playbook that I then was like actually typing and making sure I was using correct punctuation and whatnot. Very important. Snobby snob. Triple Virgos. May as well. In the house. Um, And then, yeah, the contemporary dialogue, it was kind of like trying to mix the two. And, but I think, like, from the beginning, I think being an improviser, Kat now knows this about me because we've been working together for so long. So I'm really not precious about anything to the point (laughs) that's, it's nice, but I think also to the point where it's like, maybe I should be more precious about certain things. But for the most part, I'm like very adaptable and kind of like whatever is going to make it the best story and play it can be because at the end of the day, I will 
value that more than me being like, but I have to have this in my play. Mm. My play has to go like this. Right. So there's <laughs> a lot of different versions. Well, mm-hmm. and Kat, as a collaborator, were you like a support person until you got in the rehearsal hall? Or like, have you been... And then just like a tyrant. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, How... <laughs> we're here to work things out. <laughs> What's that relationship in? in my room. <laughs> uh, no, it's been perfect. It's been like, well, it has been truly like five years now. Um so it's just been a lot of like hanging out and going through a draft and every once in a while Stevie would be like, oh my gosh, I just like rewrote the whole thing. So we would go through it and um, Stevie was really very generous in letting me be like, do we need this here? Or, ooh, what if we bring this back in? Or, you know, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Why do they say this at that moment? So, um, and then we carried that right into the room. And we've had a lot of workshops and collaborators throughout all of this. Um, and we've rewritten roles for people, etc. cetera. Uh, but then we brought it into the space and we spent a, a good solid, our first week just doing like a lot of table work. So that's like going through the script, making sure everyone actually knows, you know, where's your character been since we last saw them? What's changed? Why do they say this at this moment? Also kind of mimics an ideal Shakespeare rehearsal room too, because usually it's nice when you can take the first week to be like, okay, what are we actually saying saying? (laughs) in these, uh, you know, flowery language Verses. Yes. And how do we keep it from becoming that flowery language and keep it in the no fear Shakespeare world <laughs> where even though we're not saying it in late 90s lingo, you know, you get it because that actually like I, I in a way I kind of hate Shakespeare. But what I love about Shakespeare is that it's this this true blank canvas to put any other meaning on top of. It's a little bit like a fairy tale, like everybody knows it. So you can do whatever you want with it. And if you give it to people in a way they understand, there's there's just a weird little bit of magic in it. Well, yeah, it's like it was written with the assumption that only white cis men were going to be playing all these roles. And so the fact that now it's like, okay, so now we can actually cast a lot of different types mm-hmm. of people and it still works. because there's how like, does it change it? And how yeah. does it change it? Or how does it work? Yeah. Because yeah. Shakespeare also was queer. He's a queer guy. Yeah, for sure. You read those sonnets. I don't know. I heard you didn't exist. Right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what to believe. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. We, um, he's still alive. Him and Elvis. That's right. Yeah. Um, what is the story? Of Fat Juliet or <laughs> <That's>, Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> if anyone wants to know the story of Romeo and Juliet, go they to nofearshakespeare.com. <laughs> uh, no, the story of the show. <clears throat> the story of the show. Um, so, yeah, well, it's all from Juliet's perspective. And so... Um, in the original R&J, you really just get a lot of her. She's always in her room for the most part, unless it's like, I'm going out to get married to this man <laughs> or I'm going out to die. <laughs> like Those are really the or only be times. married off to this other man. <laughs> or, yeah, this other guy or I'm at a party in my house. Um, so it's, this version shows all of the kind of in between as well. And so because it's like, all right, so in our version, she's fat. And so when I was 16 and fat, where I just had extreme body dysmorphia, but didn't necessarily think I did and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of her being in her room, looking at herself in the mirror and wondering if anyone will actually love her because she's being told by the world that she's unlovable. So Mm -hmm. how does she overcome that is pretty much our version of the story. Yeah. And what happens when you're given that kind of 
affection and attention and you don't know what to do with it yet. I think that's like super universal, this idea that someone suddenly loves you. You know, Romeo in this version and the original is like just so over the top with his declarations of love. He comes in hot. He comes in he's so like, hot. He starts oh, off yeah. by being heartbroken about also, some other girl. a rebound. Yes. yes. Like, he, like Juliet's a rebound. And I think there is like true love there and there is proof that like in Romeo's dialogue that he does start changing a bit but also it's like okay would these two really actually make it <laughs> and yeah. also if they um, lived would they still be together yeah well and also from I like wanted to explore the relation like relationship between a younger girl mm-hmm. and an older teen boy and what does that actually look like mm-hmm. and also it's like the you know, one of his enemies' cousins and like, how does that actually unfold in this mishmash of a contemporary classical kind of love story of all time? Is it actually, mm-hmm. you know, the love story we think it is? Yeah. Of course it isn't. Uh, <laughs> Probably yeah, not. But the alert. plot, I will say, <laughs> does largely follow the same plot as the original R&J, but once again, we're seeing it all through Juliet's perspective. And what is the language? Uh, it's a mixture of both. So we've we've uh, kind of got into a habit of almost we were describing it in grants and such as like almost like a musical where things get emotional or heated that that's when like the classical dialogue almost comes in. Heightened moments heightened receive moments. heightened text. Yeah. Oh. So a lot of the like love, you know, falling in love moments is just this like being overcome by flowery language to express oneself. But then also having contemporary just really like kind of Mm gut-wrenching truths yeah Um, I'd say it's largely it's mostly contemporary text with you know the moments of oh my god and now we're in it and then also a lot of like contemporary music we have Jackson Fairfax Perry doing our sound design um, but we then also have a lot of contemporary songs and music which I think we also want to use well it's a teen girl in her room Mm -hmm. so what is she listening to but also then I think as a way of engaging the audience, like a contemporary audience of like, oh, here's something I can like relate to and um, brings me into the story even more, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's like usually she's trapped in her room with just her nurse to like go outside and talk to people. And she's always like just begging her nurse, can you please go tell this guy this or that? Um, and sometimes her parents come in to like beat her around and yell at her. Yeah, to be like, you're actually going to marry this guy. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, how does that change? Uh, you know, if it is more of a modern world, she's able to connect with with everyone. And, and teenagers today do all this sort of, like... Online, just like, here's cringe. everything. Yeah. Like, this is my life. I'm I'd, so glad I skipped that phase. Yeah, no, I was in it. <laughs> but I'd say the difference, the biggest difference would probably be Tybalt in the show because we don't have Mercutio. That was a kind of sad thing from as soon as I started writing it, is that like Juliet never meets Mercutio, who is the most beloved character. Tara's like, oh from- yeah, Mercutio. <laughs> well, Mercutio <laughs> is like one of the most beloved characters from Romeo and Juliet. So Tybalt's kind of become now that per- like that character. Yeah, and Mercutio also, is like- Romeo's best buddy. Yeah. Um, so now we've got Tybalt as as Juliet as Juliet's best buddy, and also you get to see that relationship and what it could be. Um, Especially because in the, the original when he dies, everyone's like, oh, Tib- like Tybalt, my best friend. Like, we love that guy. And it's like, why did you just show him being kind of the worst then the whole time? So trying to also redeem his story mm-hmm. in a way as well. 
Cool. This is a real male empowerment. Yeah, well, this yeah. is what I go to theater for. <laughs> it's and really for Tybalt. Why Fat I do this Tybalt. show. Yeah. Um, Kat, you said jokingly, but like seriously, that you hate Shakespeare and you've done a lot of it. Indeed. Um, Indeed I have. Getting to direct it in this way, is there anything oh. that you've been able to like take aim at that you've hated to do as an actor or had to, you know, the rules Look, that you had to follow and things? Yes. The rules get me, and this is like such a hated thing, truly, in the Shakespeare world. But, you know, Shakespeare is largely written in like iambic pentameter. So, like, it feels like a heartbeat. You know, it's got a beat to it, which people, I believe, misconstrue as this like, you're lucky if they take the breath usually they just pause halfway through a sentence and you're like well what the hell are you talking about they're like you know the brinkenberries sound like boozenbirds and you're like nobody knows what a brinkenberry or a boozenbird is so can we cut Actually, this line I had a brinkenberry this morning so <laughs> but yeah so it's uh, so to me there's a lot of stuff that there's like diehard Shakespeare fans that are like no this is classic you need it but to me the thrill of it you know I come from a Dubai's background with Zupa and, you know, collective creation. And it's like, well, what can you cut? And you get either a new meaning or a stronger meaning. So like, how can you actually hear the text that sounds, because in and amongst the Brinkenberries and the Boozenbirds, you know, <laughs> there's, uh, there's just real genuine heartbreaking stuff in Shakespeare. So it's, to me, it's like, well, how do we find that? And how do we sell that? And how do we speak that in a way that hits our modern ears and our modern hearts. Yeah, because there's like <laughs> a famous, like, everyone's putting on their Shakespeare voice. And all of a sudden, it's like, what is anyone oh, yeah. actually saying? It is the East. And Juliet <laughs> is the sun. Um, but I do, and even when I like first started writing it, wrote writing, oh my God, words? Yeah, that makes sense. When I first started writing this play and brought it to Kat, um, that was something I was very... Uh, specific about it that I do believe that if people really know what they're saying when it comes to Shakespeare that that should translate mm -hmm. to the audience but I think often especially with like what we're facing with theater is that you just don't have the time you don't have the money and you just are being like rushed rushed to the end mm -hmm. but when you have Shakespeare and it's like people have to know what they're saying really trying to take that time to like and I think that's why we're also a bit spoiled because the Shakespeare's so specific in parts of our play that we can then really know what we're saying there. Yeah. Slash, I decided to put it there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, trying to really have it so that we can slip into the Shakespeare and maybe you're like, don't see it coming or all yeah. of a sudden you're like, oh, whoa. And now this actually, like it doesn't necessarily like hit the ear wrong and mm -hmm. or feel like disjointed. We really want it to feel like this. Uh What's a good word? Uh, synergy. Synergy. <laughs> yeah, we're going for synergy, synergy of with the show. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, we do have little bits in as well, mixed in with the contemporary that you probably won't even, it won't even hit your ear. You won't even know you're listening to Shakespeare. <laughs> I also think it's like just a thing with Shakespeare. It's like you don't get it. Like it's hard, you know what yes. I mean? Like no one has meant any to be accessible, but no one has any empirical evidence. They're just like, oh no, like wall. They do say it takes fourteen minutes for your ear to like get used to it. 
But and, they, which is funny because the first 14 minutes is when they tell you what's going to happen in the rest of the show. Right. <laughs> and no one has any trouble going to see Avengers 72 and talking about vibranium. Like, oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> and the thing that Shakespeare and Avengers have in common is that they're long. They're usually really long. The, the other thing that people Characters love to do is they're like, versions. oh, let's cut down the Shakespeare to an hour and a half so people actually hopefully are more engaged. But then in reality, you're cutting everything out that actually makes people understand it more. So it is just, again, this like it's a whole thing. cycle. But that's Shakespeare. Spirit and I, we're we're us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so lucky because I have worked with so many people, and especially very passionate people. Even if they are passionate in ways that uh, go against what I'm passionate about, I'm just very lucky to have worked with so many people on Shakespeare in so many different ways, and especially Shakespeare by the Sea. Like, you know, they're there trying to make a difference and make it actually accessible. I like to well, think that Shakespeare by the Sea is like this is for the groundlings. Shakespeare by the Sea is the most accessible theater in like Nova Scotia, I'd say with pay what you can. And this is also stolen right out of cat's mouth. I say it as if I'm like, I say it all the time. Because you can show up with your dog, your baby. You can put a toonie in a bucket. People are or so nothing. rude. It's yeah. a public park. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can get a golf cart ride in. Like it, <laughs> yeah. It's still, it is like a lot of people go to Shakespeare by the Sea because of how affordable it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is, I think, good, good for them to have that uh, mm-hmm. little shout out. So uh, this week is the anniversary of the Tideline. Kat, you're the first guest. <gasps> oh my goodness, really? Yeah, I definitely was. I set the tone, and I'm sorry for it. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. Yay, Thanks so much, yeah. which means you've been in this job for a year. And yeah, you oh, had shit. to do, you, of course, slammed right, right into the pandemic. You had to do a digital fest, two digital festivals. Yeah. You did two digital festivals. So this is your first live-action play that you're putting up. Absolutely. How does it feel? How does it suit the mandate that you set out? Mm-hmm. And what is next? Oh, my gosh. Well, what a many-pronged question. <laughs> it's uh, a fork of a question. <laughs> Indeed. A spork, if you will. Um, I won't. Sports. It has more. Oh my God. <laughs> Stay on. Answer the question, Dad. Answer the question. A fork has more problems than a sport. <laughs> so, yes, I've had a full year now as AD at EFT, and it's actually been amazing. It's been very stressful, and it's been a lot of hard work. Um, but the community has been so kind to me in bringing me in, and I, I'm i no stranger to asking for help. So I've had a lot of help. Uh, but yes, my God, we had to do... Well, first we did a planned... Uh, we did micro-digitals, which mm-hmm. uh, those were awesome. They're still free. They're online. Uh, so we had 20 artists from across Atlantic Canada work together or uh, work alone to make... Uh, 60-second digital shorts. Uh, <laughs> I mean, work, alone. Work alone. Yeah. <laughs> work alone. Uh, well, there's actually 36 artists in the end, but they worked on, actually, there were only 19. But, you know, it sounds I better. can't <laughs> follow this math. I don't know. Let's get away from Let's this. Let's go back to the Let's sports. Let's go to the sports. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So we did uh, So we did the micro-digitals this year, and then we also had our Stages Theatre Festival, which happens every year and will happen this year in June as well, hopefully in person in and around Alderney Landing and Dartmouth, Ben Maguati. Um, so it was, it was, it was hard, but it was thrilling. And the best part about it is just like helping people do their work. Like people here make such great shit, and there often are not many avenues to do it unless you're like hustling on your own and trying to get it up there. So EFT, you know, this is its 29th season. So it comes with a built-in audience and the audience at EFT, I think is actually really excited to see new work. They're excited to see fresh work and like they want to know what people are creating here. So 
I mean, you do get that at other theater companies around here, but that's specifically EFT's mandate is to support Atlantic Canadian theater artists. So, uh, and largely in the creation of new work. So in this case with Fat Juliet, what's truly thrilling about this is that this is uh, like a brand new work. It's, I mean, it was a little bit just this cozy thing to come into it with um, Shakespeare by the Sea. So it's a co-pro between uh, both companies. But we have, um, like, the entire team is emerging. So we've got a lot of youth here. We've got a lot of emerging people, especially the designers. This is a big problem, um, largely because training to be a designer is so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either very expensive at school and then you've got to know the right people. Like any old idiot can be an actor, but <laughs> like to be a designer, you really and truly do need training. So we were able to um, get funding to uh, have mentors for a bunch of emerging designers who maybe like maybe doing a project on their own, they weren't ready for, but they're like so close. Mm -hmm. So now this will be their own design. It's not like they're shadowing someone else. Like they're doing it, but they've got a mentor that they can go say, oh shit, but I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really thrilled for that because, you know, with emerging artists and the youth of it all, there's so many great ideas and we really do have like a very collaborative room. So even all the designers are working um, together with each other and we've got all the actors are in there with their ideas like it's it's turning into quite a beautiful little room Morgan compared the set to Billie Eilish's tour which is very exciting to me <laughs> and I know we both saw that movie Stevie yes yes yeah. <laughs> my god that movie is incredible it's a banger yeah it's a banger <laughs> she dates this horrible guy all the way through and, I, and you're yeah. looking at I like, know the I new, didn't watch it I know the new records about him and I'm like that guy is not worth it Billie no 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 well it's also Cute. interesting because I mean that like it's also in relationship with a guy who was way older than her. Yeah, and the and parents were so mad, but they're like, we're cool parents, we're not going to say yeah, anything. Yeah, we're not going to say uh-huh. anything. And so the fact, and you know, as a little teaser, but that might be uh, reflected in our play where it's like, oh, hey, here's this play about this, you know, 16-year-old with this 19-year-old, which, you know, three years isn't the biggest difference, but when you're that age, it's pretty big. It, it really is. is. Um, in but there is a... Uh, there is a Billy moment in the show. There's Can I just say, I've been going to EFT a long time. <laughs> To yeah. your point about Linda Canadian yeah, no, Theater, been- I have never seen a show inspired by a pop star of the day. <laughs> We're making waves. Inspired by, but... Uh, but referencing or riffing on? Come on. Where would that happen in Cape Breton? Yeah. Well, and the whole set, like, is a theater just a bed. With Hannah's. Oh, my who I love. <laughs> Hi, Hannah. Um, but yeah, the set is just one bed on stage, which is very, yeah, similar to Billy's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would say that I, we've been writing this play since for a while, so hey, we don't oh know before Billy was famous. Yeah. The moment Stevie showed it to me, I was like, yes, no, this, it was like a messy teenager's bedroom. And mm. I was like, oh no, this is a giant four poster bed and we must have this. At one point, you didn't want me to leave the bed. You're like, and you'll stay on the bed the whole time and everyone brings everything to you, which I'm like, correct. That pretty much happens. Um, pretty I happens. don't want to spoil your show, but does it raise up and do you sing on it while it's in the sky? <laughs> well, if we got a bigger budget, <laughs> yeah, the budget theater was funded. Quite slim. Could you re-ask that question <laughs> next year? Yeah, perhaps? give us a couple of years. Yeah. It needs to be No, but up. look, we got Jess Lewis on lights. We got Christian Ludwig Hansen on projections. It's going to look fun. But no, excited. we don't lift up the bed. It's very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's heavy. Get the rigging. <laughs> uh, well, I'm very, very excited. 
And I know you already bought your tickets. Of course I did. Yay. I yelled at you the day they went on sale because it wasn't working. <gasps> yeah, yeah, that's that was, true. You and so my mom. Sorry. <laughs> and people did have done that to me, and I know how annoying it is. But sometimes you go, but they might not know. It's true. But you know, Kat. I did know. <laughs> hey, it's nice I to know how to fix it. it. I just can't. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, also, you're both. You're both the first repeat guests because Stevie, you've been on as well. Yes, and well, we have nice to be back. and we have Hello City on deck and for next week again. There's nobody else in town, eh? You're just that hard up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fifty-two shows. This is the best. I, we're at it, artists. We're done. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I'll come back and talk all you want. <laughs> Bring the mayhem people back. Uh, Fat Juliet runs till Halloween. Until Halloween, Eastern Spooky. Front Theater over on the dark side. Do we all still call it that? No one likes it. Yeah, Look, Easter Red Theater. Dartmouth Spessy. calls itself whatever it wants, <laughs> and you will like it or you will take it. You get the hell out of here, yeah, or, or a group of roving teenagers will beat you up. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations! Thank, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you. Happy birthday. Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.